From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk average Joe Cavs and no more Joe Browns, NFL wildcard madness, the first half of the NBA season, and the end of our college bowl pick challenge. Off the field, we talk Taylor, Bruce, Ryan Adams, and cover songs in another All Ears from the Land. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, what was wilder, your weekend or the first weekend of the NFL playoffs? <laughs> I, I, What was wilder? I, I, a lot of chalk has won in the NFL playoffs except for one game. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my weekend was wilder. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Full of shit. Chuck. <laughs> well, when you throw a bluey themed birthday party for your three year old, yeah, it right? gets pretty out of hand. So that's why my weekend was wilder. Far. Yeah. Happy birthday, Chip. I wish I'd been invited to the bluey themed birthday party, but uh the NFL was definitely wilder than my weekend. Uh, I was in bed, I think, before nine on Friday, and it was glorious. Um, a couple <laughs> trips to Lowe's on Saturday, you know, didn't know if there'd be time, but uh, it was wonderful. Why don't we go ahead and get started? We will stay at home. Start with our sip of wine and gold. Our weekly Cavs recap wasn't the best, but it could have been worse. Cavs had tough losses in Utah and Minnesota, but got a win against the Blazers and a scrappy win today against the Pelicans. They finished the week 28 and 17, fifth in the East right now. Scale of one to five, one being. North Fork Sauvignon Blanc, which has an amazingly tart and bitter chemical taste that begins in the back of the throat and won't let go. Not <laughs> recommended. Five being Buckeye Red from Quarry Hill Winery in Berlin Heights, Ohio. So one to five, how would you rate the Cavs last week? Put them at like a two and a half. There were some real issues this week and still with some injury stuff that happened, but but overall, like a, a game or two that... They probably could have and should have won specifically that that Wolves game, but two and a half. It, it just kind of sit in the middle. Nothing great, but nothing super terrible, I guess. You know, they went two and two in those four games, so two and a half makes sense. But I'm going to stay true to myself. And last week, I said you win three the three games before today's game. You win no excuses. You win those three games. And all I have is excuses <laughs> for why they didn't win all those three games. So I'm I'm going to knock it down to like a two out of five. It was one of those weeks that I feel like I know it was the end of a West Coast trip, but you're playing teams that even without all five of your starters performing optimally, you should win those games, at least two out of the three. That jazz game was weird. They they could have really won that game. And I think Clarkson had like a seven point possession for Utah. That, that was Yeah, it's a really not, strange finish. I mean, yeah. the, the Cavs were up by two possessions with very little time left in the game. And that one call gave them a seven point possession. So that kind of turned that a little bit. We ended up losing by two. So that sucked. But I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go back to my no excuses. They should have won two of those games. So two out of five. Almost chemical. I'm at a two as well. I'm a little tart and bitter after some of those losses, and we're going to get to them in a little bit more detail in a minute, but they were winnable games. I know that they're on the road, and I know that they've struggled on the road this year, but this is how you bring that road record back towards 500, and 
they just didn't play well. They didn't shoot well. They didn't play a lot of great defense. They just didn't do what they needed to do to win games against teams that they should beat. You know what? I'm normally pretty positive on the Cavs, and I think I'm normally at the high end of the scale week after week after week because it's a fun team, and most weeks I think they exceed expectations. This week was not one of them. This was a bad week, and I'm going to push them closer to that North Fork Sauvignon Blanc range. Let's talk about the losses to Minnesota and Utah. In those losses, the bench averaged 34 points a game for the Cavs. Uh, The Cavs had more rebounds and assists than the Wolves in that game. Carl Anthony Towns didn't play for Minnesota. Mitchell and Garland combined for 67 points against the Jazz. And in that game, the Cavs had more blocks, more steals, and more points in the paint than Utah. How in the hell did they lose those two games? I think with the, the Timberwolves too, even with Carl Anthony Towns not playing, like Rudy Gobert got hurt 13 minutes into that game. So, so who's left for the, yeah. that team? Like outscored uh, in the fourth quarter, they turned the ball over a lot in the fourth quarter. They took really tough four shots, and they allowed 60 points in the paint without Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert really for most of the game. And the bench got outscored. You're talking about their bench play. Minnesota's bench outscored Cleveland's that game 56 to 27. That's how that's how you lose that game. Uh, which is unreal that that their two best players specifically that should beat you inside aren't on the floor. That That's how it goes. The Jazz game, it, it was weird because Phil already alluded to it, that Levert took those two fouls. Like, you, you can't take those fouls, man, where at the, towards the end of the game, and they were leading, right? They were leading by five with like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes left. Yeah, he did it again today. He, he fouled a dude shooting a three today from behind. You're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. you've, you're already beat. Let the fucking guy yeah. shoot. Man. Run away. Run away. <laughs> yeah. So for, for that game, it usually this Cavs team, like I, I've said it on the podcast, like they overcome some of their inconsistencies. And what I mean by that, usually they lock down fourth quarter and they play really strong defense. And that did not happen in either of these games. And if it's not about, you know, wins and losses, then, then it's wins and lessons. And it was a tough one this week, especially in Utah. Oh, that was nice. It's about wins and losses, not wins and losses. Well done, Chuck. Which which one of your coaches did you rip that off? <laughs> I, I I don't I I don't know if one coach might have said that to me at some point. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a tough lesson this week. That was good. All right, Phil. Chuck has got a cool line and a bunch of stats. Tough act to follow. <laughs> Go ahead. How did the Cavs lose these two games? Well, um, Chuck's exactly right about the Minnesota game. The the bench got destroyed. So you rattled off our average bench scoring, and we talked about this a week ago, where the bench, if we get 35 to 40 points out of them, that's pretty good. We got 27 against Minnesota, but we gave up 56. We gave up 56. So that was a weird game. I I happened to listen to a, a fair amount of that end of that game on the radio, and Jim Jones is the analyst on the radio, and He's he's a pretty good basketball mind, you know, when he's talking about what's going on. And what he observed in that game, the Gobert injury actually hurt the Cavs, so to speak, because the Cavs continued to play big in that game. And Minnesota had no choice but to go small. So they became very athletic, very quick, and just just played quickly the rest of the game. Also, that was a weird and, – and to talk about both of those losses, the Jazz and the Timberwolves – both games illness kind of crept into what we were hoping to do. So Mitchell got sick in the middle of that Timberwolves game and was done. He he ended up with 14 points and he 
he was sick. The Jazz game. Allen was sick, yeah. Yeah, one possession game. Allen started the game, got sick, played seven minutes, and gave you zero points. So all of a sudden, like, all right, that's a big part of the team is is out. And and the game, to Chuck's point, was still in hand with about a minute and a half left. And the stupid foul and the seven-point possession flipped the flipped the score. We were still in it, but now we were on the opposite side of it. And, okay, as the game wore on, we lost by one possession. So those two games, it was it was a combination of illness and just – I don't know what the mismatch thing was in, in Minnesota. That's a little concern. That that concerns me in that if other teams see that and you go small against this Cavs team and you play the death lineup or whatever the hell these other teams are going to do, what do we do with it? Because we are based on a big lineup and a lot of points from the guards. Chuck is blaming bad late defense in both games. Phil is blaming illness, both viable reasons. I guess I question a little bit the the athleticism thing that you're bringing up because we've watched all season that Allen and Mobley are particularly good at getting out and locking down guards at the three-point line. It's so much fun to watch those guys D up against smaller people who should be able to just blow by them, and they can't. It happened again tonight with Allen. I don't know. They shot the ball like garbage in both of those losses. I mean, yep. under 45% from the field, I think in both under 25%, I think from three in both of those games, they shot the ball terribly. And I think it goes to what a little bit, what Chucky was saying is that it's, they weren't taking good shots. They weren't taking smart shots. They were forcing things over and over and over again, and they couldn't get them to fall. And yeah, losing Mitchell for a, almost an entire game, uh, and having him out there, you know, probably not playing his best because he wasn't feeling well, man, that that's going to kill your scoring. And that's exactly what it did. They just couldn't consistently score the ball in those games. And I guess the the positive way of looking at it is they could have won both of them still. Certainly the Jazz game could have been a win, but for that weird ending. Maybe you guys made me feel a little bit better about why they lost those games and feel a little bit better about the week. Maybe I'm bumping it back up to like a – a two and a half on the week. Let's get to some more positive stuff. Raise your glass. Toast to your favorite Cav of the week. First, Ricky the Rick Rubio is back. Nine points in 10 minutes against the Blazers. And just overall kind of a fun, calming presence on the court the rest of the week. Darius Garland. 21 points, six assists against Utah. 20 points, 10 assists against the Blazers. And 30 points and 11 assists today. Uh, next one, my Cavs crush, Jared Allen, 24 and 10 against Portland, 19 and 8 against the Wolves, 24 and 11 today. Last one, Isaac Levert Love. If you combine these three guys, <laughs> 22 points, 21 rebounds against the Jazz, 20 points, 15 boards against the Blazers, 26 and 15 against the Wolves. 23 and 12 today against the Pelicans. Say what you want about the Cavs last week. You can't blame their performance on sweet Isaac Levert Love. Who's getting your toast? Isaac Levert Love sounds like a <laughs> wonderful, soulful, let's light a fire oh, yeah. and drink some wine yeah. and listen to that music. <laughs> Isaac Levert Love. That's fantastic. I'm going to lay you down by the fire. Um, 
I'm going to give my Cav of the week. I, I'm going to go with Darius Garland. I, I think, and 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 maybe I'm I'm a little biased by what he did today and what we might be faced with in the coming week or so. We need that guy to turn into Darius Garland of last year when Mitchell can't play. If Mitchell's sick, if Mitchell's injured, if Mitchell needs to take a break for a couple of days, load management, whatever. We need Garland to then switch gears to what to what he was last year and score 25 to 30 points a game and dish out 10 assists and really be that guard that he doesn't and shouldn't be this year with, with Mitchell on the team, obviously. So that might be hard to do for him, but he did it in two of those games last week and it made a huge difference. So as great as it is, it is to see the Rick back and it's a calming presence off the bench for this week. And maybe going forward, it's Darius Garland. I mean, it should be without question, Jared Allen, your your man crush. Like he had a phenomenal week and he was sorely missed uh, when he came out of that game. And they basically just attacked Mobley, the Jazz did, uh, who's not having a great year, man, by the way. Like I expected him to make some sort of jump here and I'm not seeing it so far, but I'll save that for another day. But I'm I'm going to give it to Rubio and you both use the perfect word. He provides a calmness on the court and you saw that against the Blazers he helped navigate some choppy waters and they won a few runs with him there. And in that second quarter, uh, when the trailer blazers started going to run, JB went to him. And so there's a trust in that dude yeah. uh, and what he can do for this team that it's been missing. So uh, even though like he didn't light it up stat wise, it's just another piece that hasn't existed with this team. And I'm interested to see how it's navigated because th there are times where he might just be the perfect role, especially when other teams are starting to run. And that dude just kind of slows it down and calms down that team. Having Rubio back is great, although it means less Nito the Mosquito. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was really getting to be a lot of fun. I thought earning some minutes. So I, I it's I'm sad to see the Mosquito go, but uh, having <laughs> Rubio back is great. I'm giving mine to Garland as well. I think that he is showing signs of finally coming out of all of the injuries he's had this year and starting to look more like that guy we saw last season. And I think you see it when he can go to the hoop and finish, or he can stop and shoot those like 12 to 15 footers that never seem to miss. He's just such a weapon when he can do that plus all the passing and stuff like that. So I thought he was great today. He was really good all week. And I think hopefully we're going to see him come back to the form that we saw last year. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. But let's move on to Superstar Week. Tips off Wednesday night against Ja Morant and the Grizzlies. Friday, Shitty Steph, Shitty Clay, and Shitty Dre are in the land with the Warriors. And Saturday night, the Cavs play Giannis and the Bucks. Maybe the toughest week of the year so far for the Cavs. Sucks that they might not have Donovan Mitchell for it. <laughs> Which of these opponents are you most excited to watch play? Most excited to watch our opponent? I'm Memphis. I, I want to see Ja. Ja Morant is a highlight film. Every time I turn on SportsCenter, he is just throwing down a dunk over someone twice his size and it just looks sick. So I'm excited to see that uh, as a Cavs fan. I'm a little worried about this week though. So my excitement is a, is a bit tempered, I think, because that's in Memphis. And then our two home games, uh, we might get one of those two if, if Mitchell doesn't play. So 
Yikes. I'm going to go with my most hated team, man. Like I, I'm interested to see them play the Warriors. I don't care that they're older. I don't care that they're not, you know, they're, they're, they are just like the Cavs. They are ass on the road. Uh, but it's different still. Like I hope the city still hates that team. Like I still hate that team. Uh, so <laughs> think, if they come in there, I think you know, they do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, like I hope we hold those, a grudge. Yeah, right. <laughs> we do so, that really yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. so, I hope when those come out on the floor, like the 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 crowd lets them hear it. That's always a big game. I don't care. It, it could be once LeBron's jersey is hanging the rafters, I will still forever hate the Warriors. So. Uh, that's always going to be a game I earmark. Like huh, this is this is the test, even if they're not the same team they were. I do appreciate your dedication to hating mm-hmm. the Warriors, but I'm with Phil. I, I can't wait to watch Ja and the Grizzlies play against the Cavs. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That dude is so exciting. That's a really good team. Uh, you know, we don't talk much about the West because the Cavs don't obviously play a lot of teams out there, but that's still a team. That may, maybe that they're the best team in the West. I don't think that's decided yet. I think the West is wide open. That, that's a really good, really fun team. That's going to be fun to watch. What do we think for wins? Two, maybe. <laughs> Two might be generous. I, I I think I'll settle in at one, and it might just be that Warriors game. Yeah, I feel one win and good news for our hatred. It's against the Warriors. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that, especially if Mitchell's not a hundred percent or not playing at all. I don't know how they win a game against the Grizzlies or win a game against the Bucks, but maybe I'll go two. Maybe I'll say that the the Warriors and the Bucks are winnable games if they're at full strength. So hopefully it's two. It should be a fun week. It's always good to see that many superstars on the schedule and should be some entertaining games to watch. But why don't we move on before we take our first break? to 34 shades of brown our 34 week preview for the browns 2023 season (laughs) last week at 6 a.m on monday morning joe woods was fired mike prefer did not get fired at any time on monday what are your thoughts on joe woods firing and mike prefer the special teams coach not being fired 6 a.m. could have been too late. They could have did it earlier. Uh, well, there's nothing against the guy or anything. But it Shouldn't just they didn't... have done it the night before? Like, he comes into work at 6 a.m. and you're like, oh, shit, hey, by the way. He was dude. already there, yeah. He was there at 5 a.m. breaking yeah. down film, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, but I would assume it would have been a, like a two for one, man. I assume they would have they they would have showed the special teams do the door because it, it was a rough season for that unit as well. So maybe there's still time. I, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting <laughs> Maybe they're waiting for the playoffs to end uh, to find another special teams coach somewhere. I don't know. The Cowboys uh, special teams coach, maybe? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything we didn't expect. I just expected it at the bye week for Joe Woods, to be honest. So the fact that he he's a survivor, man, the fact that he made it this long, yeah. that's, that's an impressive run. 6 a.m. Monday morning, Joe Woods gone too late is, is how I think yeah. I would rank that one. Probably should have been gone the night before. Just save him the drive in anymore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. come on, that's just rude. It is. Well, maybe it's easier to clean off his desk when there's no traffic. He can turn right around in Cleveland at 6 30 a.m. and get out of there. But I don't know, man. I the prefer things of uh, uh, weird, like why to Chuck's point, like why why aren't you just have the conversation? You could bring them both in your office and have the same. Yeah, yeah just do it really yeah, easy. One for one. <laughs> yeah, like here we go. You're both out. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if. That means preferred is the special teams guy going forward. I don't know how much that matters, but yeah, 
sayonara, Mr. Wood. Seems like they would have fired them both at the same time. If they're cleaning house and starting over in those areas, uh, it feels like they would have done it, but I don't know. I feel a thousand percent unqualified to decide or to predict or to give an opinion on who should be the next defensive coordinator. Do either <laughs> of you guys feel more comfortable putting out an opinion about who you, who you think that should be? No. What's interesting in the list, in the short list, is there's at least two former head coaches, which is, that's an interesting dynamic, right? Like we talk about Stefanski and his lack of CEO type yeah. decision-making. So if you bring in a, a Schwartz or a, um, what's his name from Miami? Um, Flores. 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 Yeah. Those two guys, like, does that just create more of a weird dynamic, right? Cause you've got ex head coaches now as your coordinator, which I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Or does it help? It does might it help. help. It could help. Having that it experience help. help. Yeah. I it could know. help if, if that person comes in and is, and is not in any rush to try to take over a team again as a head coach like come in and be a defensive coordinator be a really good defensive coordinator then then fine but to answer your question no i'm not qualified at all <laughs> chuck any thoughts on who should be the new defensive coordinator i'm not qualified but if i if i were to pick one and it has i didn't watch a lot of miami dolphin games but from everything that came out about flores where the owner came to him and said i will give you a hundred thousand dollars per loss and he told him the off and won eight in a row i like that kind of attitude All right, so yeah, maybe that's like the that. guy with yeah. my, my you know my unprofessional opinion about who should be uh, I, I like that the guy just kind of does what he wants to do and, and maybe that's what this defense needs we'll see i really have no idea how to judge who they're going to go with flores seems to be the sexy popular pick uh, for the job so we'll see what happens it sounds like they're going to have somebody named this week and so with only 33 weeks until the start of the 2023 <laughs> season, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. Uh, but for now, fellas, why don't we stop here, take our first break. We'll head out on the road and talk the rest of the NFL. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and we'll start in the NFL and wild card weekend delivers a humdinger. Let's look back <laughs> at the games this weekend. We've seen almost all of them finish, but the stupid NFL loves money a bit too much. So there needs to be a Monday night wild card game for some reason. That's going on as we record. It's currently 24 to 6. Dallas looks like they probably got that one locked up, but we don't actually have a full slate of games yet. What we've seen so far has been as wild as a wild card can be 49ers did their job. Jacksonville won after a huge comeback, the bills and Bengals barely stayed alive and the Vikings didn't chargers and Jags proved Denko was right last week that neither team could be trusted. Did we overestimate how much Jacksonville sucks or do the chargers suck even more than we thought they sucked? <laughs> I thought the chargers could make a real deep run. Uh, so I maybe overestimated how how good they were. They were healthy. That offense is great. I thought uh, Justin Herbert might be the best pocket passer in the NFL as a young quarterback. But uh, man, uh, that defense had some issues, I guess, uh, in the second half. So um, that's I, yeah, being polite. Yeah, I, I grossly overestimated how good I thought the Chargers were. 
Uh, and I think I underestimated. I mean, Jacksonville is a hot team coming in the playoffs, and Trevor Lawrence sucked balls in the first half, but was great in the second half. And I saw this great stat. He has never lost on a Saturday. Like going back to his college career. Like that's fucking oh, brilliant, that's funny. man. Yeah. Good news looking ahead to next week, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is going to hurt, boys. You know what the LA Chargers reminds me of? They're the West Coast Cleveland Browns. That is exactly what that team oh, is. Boy. It's not all that long ago that the Cleveland Browns had a roughly 27-0 lead in a playoff game and barely held on to beat our nemesis. But we we won. We won that game. But it was the same kind of thing. They were up 27 to nothing. And then I don't know what it is. I mean, they you look at that team like, all right, offensive talent up and down that roster, and then the defense just shits the bed. And there is no lead that is safe. It reminded me of watching a Browns game. I felt terrible for all the Chargers fans. I just felt it. I, I was like, wow, this is what it's like. You're up 27 nothing. You should feel confident. They don't, and I wouldn't if it were the Browns, and that's exactly what we saw there. So I guess I was underestimating how bad the Chargers suck. Yeah, I think I underestimated how much the Chargers sucked uh, to the point that I went to bed. Uh, the Cavs were playing that night. I watched the Cavs game. I saw this one was like 27 to three at the time or 27 to seven at the time. And I thought, oh, well, there's no chance. And I went to bed. I woke up the next morning to a bunch of text messages like, you're not going to believe what happened. Oh, God. That is one of those collapses that's really hard to come back from. I don't think you can explain it other than shit that was bad. I don't know how. The Chargers come back from that. I love the fact that people think they're going to fire their coach and then the Browns are going to hire him as their defensive coordinator. That's <laughs> not like a terrible idea. Don't hire him coming no, off of this that, one. Let's just look actually, at him get him cheap. That actually sounds like what would, would probably happen. <laughs> um, so who deserved a win the least this weekend? The Bengals, who needed a 94-yard fumble return to win the game and still almost let it slip away on a Hail Mary at the end, or the Bills, who couldn't put away a Dolphins team with a third-string quarterback and a bunch of other injuries on their offense. That, that's tough because I we, we see the Bills and the Bengals as kind of two of the top teams in the AFC, and they both could have easily lost that game at home to a team that had no business beating them with backup quarterbacks and even backup to the backup quarterback. So I'm going to lean towards the bills because I felt coming into the season, that was a dominant team. You know, it's an emotional game, emotional sport for sure. And everything that's happened to that franchise in the last few weeks. And the fact that there seems to be way more good news than bad news related to that. I thought that team would go out there and just roll a dolphins team that was playing a third string quarterback in 20 degree weather and they just couldn't do it. It was a bad game from a good player in Josh Allen. I think he had three turnovers himself. And to have three turnovers and still win the game, maybe I'm being too hard on them. But I do feel like they deserve to win the least because of that. Most teams, you 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 have your star player turn the ball over three times, you're going to lose. We're used to seeing that. Not just our star players. Even our bad ones will turn <laughs> Anyone. it over three times. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. be anybody. Could Whoever. be anybody. Chuck, what do you think? Who deserved to win the least? I, I want to sit on the fence, both, uh, because these are supposedly the cream of the crop teams in the AFC. I might give it to the Bills, though, a little bit more, just because watching the Ravens this year with the injury to Lamar Jackson, and even when he's playing, I, I don't know if there's a better franchise at winning ugly than they do. Like, they're just 
They've always won ugly. Uh, so maybe it's the Bills, just because we kind of crowned them before the season started. Uh, and you're dealing with a third string guy. You basically keep Jalen Waddell in check for almost the entire game. And, and they still should have or could have lost that game. Real issues. Uh, and hopefully they, they get them right. But because they're playing each other now, aren't they? Are the Bengals? Yeah, they are. Bills? yeah they're well, Bengals somebody, yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to okay. it. Well, somebody's, yeah. But, but it's, I think it's got to be the Bills uh, just because that team is decimated. Uh, the Dolphin team, especially a quarterback in, in it should have been a freaking cakewalk with your backups playing in the fourth quarter. And, and it wasn't that I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to give it to the Bengals the, the Browns should have beaten the Ravens twice this year. And there's no way it should have been that close with Lamar Jackson on, not even on the sideline with Lamar Jackson somewhere in the world. Nobody knows for the way that it came down where the Ravens should have had an opportunity to score if they hadn't let Kevin Stefanski call plays <laughs> inside the five on that last drive, th they should have been in a spot to win that game. They should have walked out of Cincinnati with that win. And so I, I think the Bengals got outplayed in a 94 yard fumble recovery is the thing that wins the game for you. And there were still like 13 minutes left in the game and Cincinnati yep. still couldn't put the ball in for another score to seal it. So I'm giving it to the Bengals. Let's look ahead to next week's game afc divisional round first game on saturday big news it's jacksonville and apparently undefeated uh trevor lawrence on saturdays but they're going to kansas city how many points would you be comfortable giving up in this game if you were putting money on the chiefs eight and a half nine and a half ten and a half it's the NFL. None of those make me real comfortable, but I guess if I had to choose one, the Chiefs at home, I'll shoot the middle. I'll, I'll say I I could lean towards nine and a half. Yeah, I think nine and a half is pretty safe here. The, the Chiefs are the gold standard of playoff football for the last five years. You're dealing with somebody coming into your place, not easy to do, uh, but had a great win. But I still think the Chiefs, no matter what that lineup is, these dudes have been here before, and you have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. I'd go all the way to 13 and a half. <laughs> I think Kansas City is going to smoke these guys. All right. <laughs> all right. Sunday is the Bengals at the Bills. Might be the best game of the weekend. Who do you think has the edge in that game? It better be the best game. I, I think it's just because they're playing at home, and that fan base is a lot like this fan base. So I assume there's going to be times you're – you're having trouble hearing the announcers on the broadcast. Uh, so so just because they're playing at home uh, with two really exciting quarterbacks and two really good offenses, but I, I would lean Bills only because it's an Orchard Park. I'm going to go Bills as well. I think last or this past weekend's Bills game was a shitty game that a good team still won. And we watched a, to your point, Gerbs, a Baltimore team that really almost had no business even being in the postseason, hold the Bengals to three and out after three and out after three yeah. and out that entire fourth quarter. So the Bengals, I think they they got they got a lot of work to do to get that corrected. If the Bills defense can just show up and play decent football, which they did not do against the Dolphins in the second half, but if the Bills can play decent football on defense, I, I give it to Buffalo because I feel like that offense takes care of business. You get that team a, a one or two possession lead and the Bengals might be in trouble. Minus 13 and a half bills. <laughs> I would lay that bet right now. I, I think it's going to be close, but I, I, I just think the bills are a better team. So 
Um, I, I'm going to go with the Bills. NFC Divisional Round. Saturday night's game is Giants in Philadelphia against the Eagles. Eagles beat them twice this year in the regular season. It's awfully tough to beat a team three times in one season, right? So, Giants? <laughs> mm-hmm. Anybody? You're not going to get it from me, even though they played <laughs> a fantastic game or the Vikings just stink uh, defensively. But to have Daniel, you, you really saw Daniel Jones, like what that dude can do when he runs the ball. Yeah. And that receiving core who is unheralded played phenomenal. Uh, but still, the Eagles are the Eagles, man, and they are our goose. And there's no way uh, they should not steamroll that team uh, for their third victory of the season against them. Talk to me, Goose. I, I think <laughs> the Eagles, even though it's three times in one season, and, and you're right, that's not an easy thing to do. The Eagles should just roll these guys. Daniel Jones outplayed Kirk Cousins last week, but can he outplay any quarterback two weeks in a row? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think Jalen Hurts is healthy, I think, right? Like he's ready to go. Should be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this Eagles team... I think they go in there and and win by 13 and a half points. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Stole my joke, man. Sorry. (laughs) I'm picking up what you're putting down. (laughs) It's got to be a win for the Eagles. It just has to be. Like the the Giants, it's an impressive game that they played against Minnesota, but I still think the Eagles are just the cream of the crop in the NFC. And so they're until they run into the 49ers maybe, but they should handle the Giants. Although I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a close game. Giants played them tough last week of the year and the Giants are on a roll. So we'll see. I think that'll be a close one. Sunday night, the 49ers are going to be hosting the Cowboys. All right. There's seven minutes left in this game. It's 31 to six Dallas over Tampa Bay. I do not predict a Tom Brady miracle in this game. I think he should be retired. I'm going to go ahead and call it. So the 49ers are going to host the Cowboys next week. Who has the edge in that game? The 49ers, even with a rookie quarterback, that team is stacked top to bottom. I mean, it, it They have so much talent. I, and the Dallas team, I'm surprised they're even dominating a football game, let alone this football game. So it it, it seems like the Cowboys, while they are talented, they kind of get in their own way and they're not as complete a team. So I, in San Fran, I... San Fran has the edge for sure. Feels like the mid nineties, man. Wasn't that when the Cowboys and the Niners just beat up yeah. on each other? They, they talked about it tonight. It was 1992 was the early nineties. Uh, then. Yeah. It was the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game until tonight. Oh, it was 1992. Wow. And it was, wow. it was Troy Aikman quarterbacking in Steve Candlestick Young? Park. Jeez, oh so man. Steve Young Aikman was it? Was yeah, it Steve probably. Young? Yeah. I still like the Niners just because that defense is lights out. Um, and not that the Cowboys defense is bad. It is not. It's one of the best defenses in the NFL, even with that rookie quarterback. Does not matter. There are weapons all over that field for them. So uh I like the Niners. Yeah, I'm all in on the Niners too. Uh, and I'm not sure that one will necessarily be a close game. Tampa Bay is not a playoff team. They got here by default because somebody from the NFC South had to be in the playoffs. So I'm not sure I'm that impressed with this Dallas win. I'm going to give it to the 49ers. I think they win that one pretty handily. And we set up some really fun games in the championship round in the NFL. Why don't we move on from the NFL? NBA just went past the midpoint of its season. There have now been more than 42 games played by just about every team. And it has been a long time 
since we did our side piece standings. So I thought we'd dive in and take a look in case you guys haven't been following and doing math with everybody else. Right now with a commanding 10-point lead, 66 total points is Chuck Rambaldo with the Celtics and the Rockets. So Chuck has the best team and the second worst team as his side pieces right now. I'm in second place with 56 with the Bucks and the Magic. The Magic are kind of ruining it for me. They're better than I think anybody expected. Miller is in third place with 54 points. He's got the Clippers and the Spurs. The Spurs are doing their job. They're nice and rotten, but the Clippers aren't winning a ton of games for him. Phil is next with 50 points, 76ers and OKC Thunder. Uh, neither of them really doing great for Phil, although 76ers have improved a lot from earlier in the year. In last place, poor Burke with the Warriors and the Pacers. This is bad luck that the Pacers are really, really good. So <laughs> who has the biggest surprise side piece so far this season? Biggest surprise, probably Burke, because those teams might be close to being flipped, right? Like his it's getting really close. Yeah, yeah. right. Like that's that's the surprise, yeah, I think. Very given close. Going into the season when we assign these teams to have those two teams be that close to just being flipped. There should be some prize if your shitty side piece actually outperforms your good side piece or however we're, I don't know what these people are called. Uh, as you know, we don't give out prizes for any of the contests <laughs> we do on this show. Stop okay. it. It's Stop it. Ultimate consciousness on your death. Yeah. I would go with, with the Pacers and Burke just because they're a game over 500 where we thought they would be just awful. So uh, that that's a team that could be hanging around. Maybe they're a play in team. Is that actually Maybe. possible? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the Pacers are really good. They played the Cavs really, really tough. They were they would be my biggest surprise too. Sorry, Burke. Maybe we should let Burke trade. Like Charlotte is the worst team in the NBA. Maybe we should allow him to like make that move. I don't know. We can talk about it. The Pacers remind me a little bit of the Cavs from last year. They're kind of young and still kind of a new team together, still trying to figure it out a little bit. Uh, but I think that they're a play-in team for sure. I think the Pacers are pretty good. That's it for our side piece standings. Glad we got to update that. We got one thing to do before we take our final break. We've got to talk from the land, Bowl Pick'em Challenge final. Buster Douglas, Seabiscuit, the Do You Believe in Miracles Team USA hockey team, <laughs> NC State and Jim Valvano, the 2001 Pats over the greatest show on turf. Add another great upset to sports history. Tammy, who thought CSU was Colorado State, who thought Lake Erie College must be in Erie, Pennsylvania, <laughs> even though she's been on the Lake Erie College campus because that's where my elementary school was. Tammy, who asked me before kickoff of the championship game if TCU was a school in Tennessee. Tammy has won the Pick'em Challenge. Oh, no. <laughs> good for tammy yeah. tammy finished hot like she always does getting three out of five last week she finishes in the lead with 13 points i was second with 12 barely missing my tcu cover pick by <laughs> only 45 and a half points <laughs> chuck was next with 11 burke with 10 miller with nine denko finishes in the burke basement with six how do you plan on improving next year so you don't lose to somebody who loves this show but hates sports. You know, ask my wife what she thinks when you bring up these questions because apparently uh, that's the way to win. 
I think the only way I can go is to just Costanza the whole thing and whatever I think should happen. I just do the exact opposite I love when it. I say yeah, a team yeah. and I'll be better off. My plan to improve next year is to not let her do it. I'll just <laughs> cut her out of this competition. Stick to your nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, with that, why don't we take our final break? We're going to come back off the field and talk a bunch of music. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field for all ears from the land. Cover two, our review of two album covers by Ryan Adams. We started talking about this a little bit last weekend and on a text chain about Adams after I saw that he had covered Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen and done had done the entire album. Uh, and that's when Chuck let us know that this is not the first time Ryan Adams had done that. He also covered all of Taylor Swift's album, 1989. Covering songs is not a new thing for Ryan Adams. He has released covers of Wasted Years by Iron Maiden, Wonderwall, Round and Round by Rat, Like a Virgin, and Wharf Rat by The Grateful Dead. Uh, but tonight, we're not going to talk about any of those. We are going to talk his... Albums covering 1989 and Nebraska. First things first, what do you think about him covering an entire album rather than just one song? I like it. Man. I've always been a Ryan Adams guy. When he did 1989 a few years ago, God, more than a few years ago at this point. It's a while ago, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that's, that's kind of weird. Uh, but I understand Nebraska. Like, I, I, I got that. But he's a guy who puts out so much stuff like I can't keep up with it. I think he's put out three albums this year outside of Nebraska. So like to me, he's always kind of been like um, Neil Youngy. like Neil Young basically put out every song he ever recorded. And Ryan Adams is that guy, um, which which kind of leads to a uh, quality control issue. But I I'm OK with it. Uh, I, I've always been OK with him. So to hear his take on certain things, one of them that you would think he has no business covering and another one that kind of makes sense to him. I'm, I'm all for it. I commend him for covering the entire album. I, I think to cover, not, not to take away from, we've had some wonderful covers in the history of music, right? Like to cover one song and that has turned out great many times and turned out terrible other times. But when you take one song and it's the single that was released, it's, it kind of exists in a vacuum, right? To cover an entire album, it's a story. A lot of times it's a tone. It's different. And I commend him for doing it. I'm not saying it's good or bad yet, but. I commend him for doing it because I think <laughs> to cover an entire album, especially these two, where there's an obvious tone to both of these albums, and they're not the same tone in either one of these albums. No, to do, to do that, uh, I commend him for it. It was, you know, great effort. It's interesting. I wondered while listening to his versions of these albums if I gave that piece of music or that album to someone who had never heard of Taylor Swift, which doesn't exist on planet Earth, but Maybe if I gave that to we someone, you could ask never... my dad. Oh, <laughs> my he's, dad he's might heard of Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. He might not. Swift. You don't. You don't know that. He's he might not. He's a Swiftie. <laughs> um, I, I. But my point being is, find someone who's never heard Bruce Springsteen's album or Taylor Swift's album, and listen to Ryan album, Ryan Adams' albums, and they're like, "Wow, this is really good music. This is really good music, right?" So I feel like it's commendable because he covered the entire thing. It's ambitious. For kind of what you, you're both saying is that if the albums have a story or a, or a specific tone, 
and you're going to cover the songs, which I mean, the cover naturally is going to be changing what the original artist did and kind of putting your own voice to it or your own take on it. Then you have to do it for the whole album. And I think as we're going to go through tonight, I think you, you see some places where he swings and misses a little bit trying to do the entire thing. It's an ambitious thing compared to just doing one song as a moderate to psycho Springsteen fan. I would tell you that anybody who is at, <laughs> yeah, anybody who's at my level or greater holds Nebraska in a very, very special place because of the way it kind of came about and where it fits in what Springsteen was doing at the time. This is an album that he recorded by himself, took it into the studio with the band and could never get the sound right. And eventually just pulled the cassette tape out of his pocket and handed it to the studio and said, this is it. This is the album. And that was it. And it's so much different from anything he's ever done. It doesn't rank anywhere near in popularity as anything Taylor Swift does. Um, so it's an interesting idea to, I think, to see him doing both of these albums. They represent very different things, I think, for the artists who made them originally. Why don't we start talking about the actual songs? And we're going to start with Top Ranked, the number one songs on each original album versus Ryan Adams' versions. So the number one song on 1989 based on Spotify listens is Blank Spaces with more than a billion plays. <laughs> whose version did you like better taylor swift's or ryan adams you picked blank spaces and that's actually one of the songs that i that's uh, harder for me to answer than you would think I, based on listens alone obviously you, you couldn't go anywhere in what was it like 2014 or 2015 or whenever it was without hearing that song but taylor's is a bit poppy but i also think she hits the right tone with that song versus ryan adams version taylor's version is better Three for three. Uh, I agree. I, I think Ryan Adams' version of it is kind of like a mopey version. Yep. And he kind of sucks some of the power of that song out of what Taylor did. I thought that sucked. Um, number one song on Nebraska, based on Spotify streams, is Atlantic City with 36 million, which seems like a lot, except it follows Taylor Swift and her billion plays of blank spaces. So who are you taking to Atlantic City, Bruce or Ryan Adams? Now, th that's one of my favorite Bruce songs. Uh, I love Atlantic City. Uh, and I think they're both really good versions. But because I love Bruce's version of it, I'm not taking anything away from Ryan Adams' version. I go with the original because it, like I said, it's probably a top five Bruce song for me. I'm going to go a different way here. I, I don't have Atlantic City in my top three on that album wow. of Bruce Springsteen's. I have three songs that I liked better than Atlantic City. Now, again, not to take anything away. I, this was I, this. I love this album. But I rated the songs on Bruce's album and it didn't make the top three. And then I thought, okay, Ryan Adams, what are your best covers of this album? And it was my second favorite of his songs. So with that algorithm, with that algorithm laid out there, I'm going to lean towards Ryan Adams just because I feel like his version of Atlantic City was one of the best versions of songs on his album, whereas I didn't have it in the top three of Bruce's. What were your three favorite songs on nebraska by bruce it's hard for me to put them in order but the three were open all night state trooper and highway patrolman interesting cop theme there i'm gonna go with bruce on this one just because i don't, actually don't think that ryan adams version of atlantic city added much or changed much to to what bruce did whereas some of the songs i think he did 
and did a lot of good things with them, but it wasn't, it wasn't Atlantic city for me. So I'm sticking with Bruce on that one. All right. Next one. Lyrical universal truths. We got two pretty great songwriters, right? Between Taylor and Bruce. So let's talk about lyrics that capture something we all know to be true. Which of these lyrics best expresses the universal truth about being a Browns fan? First one. <laughs> so it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. <laughs> you can tell me when it's over mm, if the high <laughs> was worth the pain. But you'll come back each time you leave because, darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. That's Taylor Swift off of Blank Spaces. Uh, next one. Lord, won't you tell us, tell us what does it mean at the end of every hard-earned day, people find some reason to believe. That's Springsteen, closing song on Nebraska, reason to believe. Which one of those states the universal truth of being a Browns fan the best? <laughs> Taylor's, man. That's, that's almost like picture perfect of the last 20 plus years of being a Browns fan. I uh, That's kudos to you, man, for somehow making it match to being a Browns fan, but it's, it's Taylor's version. <laughs> As I think more about this, perhaps Taylor Swift could be the soundtrack artist to Brown's fandom because she pulls a lot of regret and resentment into all of her songs. <laughs> yeah. And that pretty much sums up yeah. what we have to deal with. So I, I agree with Chuck. I think it's the, the first one sums up Brown's fandom pretty well. I agree. Taylor, Taylor nails it pretty well. What song was a great cover by Ryan Adams on 1989? A great cover, or good, or did he do anything well? Yeah, yes, he did. I, I, he did. He did. Uh, he he did things well on both albums. Uh, I'll be fair. I I'm gonna go with Style for a weird reason. Like every time I listen to Style on Ryan Adams' version of 1989, and I had this in in some of his covers with Nebraska too. I had a sense of like an old David Bowie song. Like it was it was David Bowie esque, which is weird to say. Like Gene Genie kind of. David Bowie kind of song, right? So style felt that way to me in his cover. I'm I'm the same. I think style because if Taylor Swift never released that song and Ryan Adams did, it still sounds phenomenal and it yeah. changed dramatically. Like it, it it's it's nothing. I, I never thought style knowing that song from Taylor Swift would sound good as a rock song, but it sounds fucking great. Yeah, that was not one of mine, but I love. I love that explanation because I think that it gets to kind of like the heart of like a good cover. It doesn't sound anything like what the original artist did, but somehow it still makes sense. I think that's pretty cool. I actually liked his version of Welcome to New York yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I liked his version of Out of, Out of the Woods too. I thought that was yeah. really good. So those were the two I thought were his best covers on 1989. How about on Nebraska? It's weird because m most of it, I took notes like, what's my favorite songs on Nebraska? What's my favorite songs on the cover of Nebraska? And and they're the same. It's Atlantic City. Uh, it's Highway Patrolman. I like his version of State Trooper. I think he did a really good job of that. The, that's the only one that doesn't match, right? Like I had four songs I, I truly like on both albums, but State Trooper is one that I liked better Ryan Adams doing it than The Boss. A little bit of overlap there. I, I will include Atlantic City on that list, but I liked his version of Johnny 99. That was another song that, that was actually the first song of Ryan Adams where I listened to it. I think, wait a minute, this sounds, this sounds like David Bowie. And I played Johnny 99, Ryan Adams version. And then I went right to Gene Genie of David Bowie. And then I played it back again. I'm like, yep, this could be on the same album. This could be on the same album. So it was kind of cool how they, 
I, I like Bruce's version of both of those songs, clearly, like Johnny 99 and, and Atlantic City. But those are my two favorites of Ryan Adams. This is funny. I, I was Johnny 99 as well. I don't think that it sounds like a David Bowie song to me. It sounds like an old school, like 50s, like rockabilly, rockabilly. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the, the perfect tone for that song. I've always loved that song on Nebraska. Um, I've seen him play it live, I think, a couple of times, and he normally cranks it up a little bit when he plays it live. It's it's not quite as, uh, obviously, as acoustic as it was on Nebraska. But I thought what Adams did with it was perfect. It was like the perfect addition to that song where it's like the guitars are turned up and the vocals are turned down. So you, you hear the guitars more than you hear the singers. It was perfect. I, I really liked what he did on Johnny 99. Did he do a disservice to any songs? Did he do them badly or something that just didn't fit with what he did on a cover? Anything on 1989? I've listened to both these albums before we got to to listen to them for the show. Uh, and, and I'm familiar with both of them. And, and the thing I like about his version of 1989, because there's always been this thing, like rock guys have always thought they were way cooler than pop pop people. And it's it's really not the case. And with Ryan Adams, like there was a time where he was supposed to be Taylor Swift, not like the biggest star in the world, but the best singer songwriter of his time. And he might have been that, even though he's not super famous. And when I listen to him again, much differently, because I had to listen super intently for the show, Taylor's version of 1989 is a, is basically a collection of songs about the experience of youth. He makes those songs about the experience of aging. So if you listen to him, it's a much different take on these songs. Uh, so I don't think he did anything a real disservice because it wasn't a straight cover, right? Like he almost did polar opposites with this album. Like he added texture and sound to Nebraska and stripped away texture and sound for 1989. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. So it was, it was just really different to me. I don't think he did anything a disservice on 1989. I enjoyed both the albums. And there wasn't anything that I was like, oh, this is a turd or whatever, because... I really, I, I really like both albums. <laughs> I like both versions of 1989. So to focus on his cover of 1989, I don't know that I could add much to what Chuck just said. That was that was a really good explanation. Other than he focused on the melancholy, right? Like Taylor's Taylor's version had energy throughout. Ryan Adams, it was really a, a melancholy flavored kind of album. He really kind of took it back, and I think Chuck described it perfectly. He like stripped things away from it and made it a different. It felt different. Same words, same songs, completely different feel. So I don't know that he did a disservice uh, to answer your question. I, I don't. I don't think there was a turd on that. It just was a different feeling album. Yeah, I don't know if it was a turd, but uh, Wildest Dreams. He changed the he's so tall and handsome as hell to she's so tall and yeah, handsome Yeah, well, as hell. clearly. Oh, and, and <laughs> he's got to do that. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I disagree. I don't think you get to change genders in the cover. You chose to cover the song. You live with the lyrics. There's I nothing like wrong he was with saying answering, he was answering Taylor's song. It was from the no. He changed the words, and plus, handsome is just a weird thing to call a woman. Like, so the, the line doesn't make oh, sense. I've met some handsome <laughs> women. <laughs> so, in my opinion, uh, wildest dreams was one that he did a disservice to. You don't get to change the lyrics when you're covering it. it changes the song. How about on Nebraska? Did he do a disservice to any of those songs? I'm sorry, I have Weird Al on the line. You would like to discuss how you change lyrics and cover it. Oh, don't even sorry. get, don't sorry. even compare. Get out of here. No, no, yeah, Weird Al's way better than Ryan Adams. Um, the uh, so what was the question? The 
his cover of a Nebraska. disservice on yeah. anything on Nebraska. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I, I kept coming back to and, and there wasn't a specific song that I thought like, Oh, this is not great, but he immediately changed out the harmonica for a drum line, like a drum machine, like in, in songs where the harmonica was prevalent in Bruce's album, it was almost absent. And I don't even think Ryan Adams brought the harmonica in until like the second or third last song in that album. And it was really prevalent in Bruce's. And I, I love that. And it was something that as as we were listening to this music all week, I was playing it just in the background all day long. And and my oldest son, Logan, loves a harmonica. He came like tearing around the corner when I had Bruce on. He's like, hey, dad, I hear a harmonica. And he was almost disappointed that I wasn't playing it. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's on. That's Bruce Springsteen, buddy. It's awesome. Listen to this, you know. But so it was noticeable in Ryan Adams um, album. The other thing was, and I think this might have been his attempt as kind of an homage to what you were saying, Gerbs, where, where Bruce Springsteen, he recorded this on a cassette tape. And there's a reverb and there's a weird sound like sonically it's kind of strange but it, it's really unique that he couldn't really get that sound again with the full band so he decided just to release the demos i felt like ryan adams forced a reverb almost overly so if that's oh in some of the songs like there was a weird echo Mansion on the hill yeah Mansion that on the was, hill was exactly right like yeah. like all of a sudden like man that's too much man like i get i get you're trying to capture what bruce did but it was too forced. And and so that's where I think he kind of, he missed the boat a little bit with that cover album. So this is the most time I've ever spent with Bruce's Nebraska. Like it's, I, I get me too. why, right. Yeah. Me like, too. <laughs> like I get why Springsteen fans and purists uh, really love this album, but did he do it a disservice? I, I don't know. You know, like if I listen to Bruce's version, it's desolate and it's bleak and it's isolated and it's uneasy and it's personal and it's intimate and it's uncomfortable. It was like, if there's an audio version of breaking bad, it's this album. Like it, like I was uncomfortable oh, yeah. watching breaking yeah. bad at times. I was uncomfortable listening to Nebraska. So what did Ryan Adams do? He, he sonically added stuff to it that I wanted to hear because it's a little too minimalist for me. Sometimes listening to Nebraska, I, I get it. Like I still understand why people who love Springsteen think this might be his best album. Uh, and I get why it is like the killers have done a ton of stuff with, I, I understand that, but I don't think he did it a disservice. Uh, he might've just added a little bit more flavor to it. Uh, and I was okay with that. There were times where I'm listening to his version and going, I really like that he has drums on this song. And that led, like, led me to go, man, I know there are versions of these songs that exist with the E Street Band because I've read a lot about it. And I know only oh, like yeah. three or four of them have seen the light of day. I'd like to hear all of them. Um, not that it would change the tone of the album, but... I don't think he did it at a service. I think he's, you know, he's a guy who's a singer songwriter and arguably this might be some of Bruce's best work as a singer songwriter. So I don't think he did it as a service. I don't think he improved it other than he layered it a little better for my liking sonically. As a moderate to extreme Springsteen fan, this album is not in my top two or three favorites. Like I will always say the pantheon of what Springsteen has done is the Born to Run album and Darkness on the Edge of Town. Those are the two best I think he's ever done. But I know that Nebraska holds a revered spot in his catalog because it was just so different from anything else he's ever done, especially at that time. He's done some stuff like this since then, like the Ghost of Tom Joad album and stuff like that, but nothing quite, nothing quite like Nebraska. I think that Adams did a good job. I think 
mansion on the hill he tried to do too much it's a beautiful song it didn't what he tried to do to change it wasn't great open all night is when you listen to nebraska it's the only fun song on the entire album it's just about a guy trying to like get home to his girl uh and like driving fast and avoiding the cops like it's adams took all the fun out of that song uh, and I, I didn't like that i thought reason to believe was really good he 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 sang it almost as like a gospel album uh, or a gospel song which i think fits the the tone and the lyrics of those that song really really well so i like that one used cars is one of my favorite songs on that album i thought he did a really good job with that one too so if i would say there was a disservice it's he took the fun out of open all night what's the matter with you guy all right real fast bourbon scale adams 1989 and nebraska scale of one to five you want me to rate ryan adams cover albums in one score all right i'll give it a i'll give it a 3.25 yeah you know i I, oh you're gonna you're gonna go okay go no no real quick you said please continue no 3.25 i feel like they were good not great i i prefer the original that's fair Uh, i'm around a three and a half because i enjoy both uh, and I, and I've listened to both. I don't know if I'll go back to either version of Nebraska, maybe just for Atlantic City. Like that is such a great song, and they're 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 both about there. They're both enjoyable. They don't improve on originals. They're just somewhat different takes or somewhat an homage to them. Uh, and the only thing listening to this this many albums this many times is that I found out that Taylor Swift's a lot like Bruce Springsteen for that 1989 album Gerbs and. Uh, and here's what I think, and maybe you won't agree with me, but like 1989 is Taylor's Born in the USA, man, because wow. a lifelong singer-songwriter moved past traditional guitar rock or country and embraced pop without compromise. So I was okay. like, man, yeah. they're a lot alike. So uh, three and a half, which they're both good, but eh. That's an excellent description of Born in the USA. That that's That's really, really good. I didn't know that that's where 1989 kind of fits in her history. But if it is, then I definitely see that connection. I think I'm at about a two and a half, but I'll tell you what, like I score lower because of his cover of 1989, not because of his cover of Nebraska. Overall, Nebraska was pretty solid. I think he sucked all of the fun out of 1989. I am tried to convince myself that I'm not a Taylor Swift fan and I cannot stop dancing when that stuff comes (laughs) on, man. I just can't help it. It's fantastic. You got to add it it to our tagline now. Three safeties. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate what he does. I'm, I'm sure Ryan Adams is a really talented guy, but he took something really fun and catchy and made it like mopey. And I'm just never going to be able to get into that. So better job covering Nebraska. I think than 1989 but all worth a listen but i'm looking forward to a break starting tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) fellas before we go i can't believe we got to do it but we got to hit the worst fantasy league ever too again because there is controversy last week we announced burke as the winner but the scores adjusted after that once the final decision to cancel the bills bengals game uh, was announced so at that point miller took the lead So I can't think of a shittier way for our fantasy league to end than, you know, a a debate over who should be the champion. (laughs) But here are the arguments for both arguments for Miller. ESPN says he's the winner and he got his kids a dog for Christmas. That's really (laughs) cool, man. That's nice. Arguments for Burke. When we thought the league league had ended, he was still in the lead and giving him the title might get him to come back on the show again. So who's the champion of the league? I think. This is a tie 
like Ooh. soccer and has to go to penalty kicks. There needs to be a physical challenge between Burke <laughs> and challenge. Miller. <laughs> All right. So Denko's on no one. Chuck, how about yeah. you? I know Tommy had a really good year pretty much all year, I thought, right? He led almost wire-to-wire -wire transaction Tommy, taking it way too seriously, where Miller just is like, hey, whatever, man. So I, I would probably lean the, the other way towards Miller just because, like, he kind of took it as seriously as most of us do, where we didn't even check a lineup or who was on a bye week or who was injured. So uh, a dark horse champion, uh, and, and sorry, sorry, I love Tommy, but... And let's just give it to Miller. All right, majority rules. I'm going to give it to Miller just because I don't think Burke wants to come on the show anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> there goes the that day, incentive. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, Miller did win, right? Like if you went yeah. onto the app right Miller, now. Miller yeah. actually, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, tough to argue with the data at this point. But, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Nelson Cruz signed a one-year deal with the Padres at 42 years old, and he's not even going to be the oldest player in the big leagues next season. With that news, that inspired me to dust off my cleats, <laughs> reach for my old mitt, and seriously pull something in my back. I hope you guys have a great week, and I hope you'll remember me standing in a nice dress, staring at a sunset. As always, absolutely. <laughs> Well done, oh Chuck. God. Which which one of your another, coaches he did just you rip missed that another extra? Did point. he just miss another one? I'm I'm behind five you guys in a row. Yeah, four today, five Sorry. in a row. The dude. No, no, that's what. No, we. That's look at this. That's amazing. Oh. oh, it's in his head now. Yeah, yeah. Yips, the thing you're up twenty four, looking like. Yeah. Jerry doesn't even care. Oh, He's like, give me a great, break. That's not a give me a break. We're up twenty four nothing. They're just gonna start going for two the rest of the playoffs him. right <laughs> like tonight they'll let him kick because it's it's decided but but yeah going forward oh there was nothing wrong with that that dude just shanked it yeah well yeah. he missed five towards, in a row towards Four that tonight neighborhood the, that's crazy oh did he miss one last week too apparently that's what just came up on the screen five in a row yeah. the yeah. yips hmm. oh the dude from dallas made an extra point that sucks no he All made right, it the, the place is going nuts <laughs> Nice. Oh, that's funny. All right. Can I throw some universal truths that didn't make yes, the cut? Please. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Oh, universal truths. Grumpy truth. old men us again. And I want to see, <laughs> I want to actually see if you guys can can guess some of these. Um, so universal truth, what my dog thinks after he gets out of the lake. Um shake it off. <laughs> Get off. Yeah, exactly. That's a yeah. good one. That's a good one. I I shake it off. I shake it off. I I I shake it off. I shake it off. I I I shake it off. I shake it off. Right. Okay, how about um universal truth? How I feel about camping. Jeez. How you feel about camping? Out of the out of the woods. Out of the woods. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Nice. I love it. All right. Um Lyrics that best express a universal truth about medicine. Bad blood. Yeah, it's nope. probably a good one. Uh, oh, well, it's that's it's that song, but it's not that line. Oh, okay. Don't look it up. I don't know. I don't know.
Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a universal that's truth about medicine. That is <laughs> and, 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 and from and true. from Atlantic City. Oh, they blew up the chicken man. And his house. That actually happened. They did. <laughs> Frank Purdue, they fucking mob yeah. blew up his house. Yeah. Because yeah. he wouldn't ship his chicken on their trucks. No. <laughs> Everybody dies. Maybe that's a fact. But everything that dies someday comes back. So that's medical that's and good. theological, I would think. Yeah. Ambitious thing. I don't know that I'm ever going back to other than Johnny 99. I don't know if I'm ever going back to Ryan Adams versions of any of those songs, but it was fun to go back. Like I hadn't listened to Nebraska in a while. Um, and I'm like, I listened to it. I'm like, Holy shit, man. Like Atlantic city is a classic, uh, mansion on the Hill, my father's house, used cars, reason to believe. I feel like I'm missing one. Um, all great songs, man. Um, Highway Patrolman's a great song. I'm I surprised love, nobody's like, yeah, like, made everybody that. Everybody loves that one. I'm just sort uh, of. Well, do they? I have no idea. I like Highway Patrolman because of the story it tells. It's like a yeah, it's like it's a, like movie. a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I really like that one. Um, I like Reason to Believe. That was the one song that I wasn't super that a great song. Yeah, familiar with so, that I kept listening to because like the that album is so dark, and that felt more like a sunrise that felt like there was a you know there's a little hope there yeah. compared to the rest of the rest of the album so but <clears> but, <throat> but all of the characters in reason to believe like probably shouldn't have any hope right like, yeah shit right. is yeah. not going well for them you yeah. know what i mean yeah. like yeah. how do they have like it's like i understand that it, it is like a little bit of i get the sunrise idea coming out of the rest of the album but then you think about it like oh fuck these yeah. people are screwed yeah, it's an it, it's a really interesting album. Was his next album Born in the USA? Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a not only that it's the fact that he like he wrote like so I started reading about it. I don't I don't know anything about Nebraska. I, I know like he wrote a ton of the Born in the USA album at the same time he wrote this. Yeah, and to me that's oh, I, a fucking I think amazing. If you listen to him do an acoustic version of Born in the USA. Mm-hmm. it fits squarely in nebraska so, yeah, that's one of those songs that, that like when yeah, you yeah. don't if you don't play it loud it is it it instantly loses it's like anthem and you're just listening to the words yeah and you're like fuck this is miserable you know which is what people have always misunderstood about about that song but yeah there was i bet you half of born in the usa was written yeah. at the yeah, same, same time, time as nebraska it was, yeah yeah at least- Did either of you guys watch the first episode of um, The Last of Us on HBO? No, that just no. came out, right? It just it was yeah. last night yeah. was the first last episode. Um, I, I I know no, I understand that it's based on a video game, and I know nothing about the video game. Um, but Super Mario Bros. is it based on Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> Yes, it is not. It is not. It's about a thousand times more terrifying than anything that happened in, what? in any Mario game. Yes, even it's, like when the ghost um, the ghost would come at you and you had to like turn and stare at him to make him. That's terrifying. Um, what you didn't get in The Walking Dead was because of the way they started the story is you didn't get like the origin of 
like the zombie apocalypse. And this is not yeah. a zombie movie, but it's something very similar. Um, it's um, it is like a fungus. Fungus among us invades so. people and like messes with their brains and basically yeah. turns them into like zombies. But you get to see it from like Jump Street, and you're just like, oh, "That's cool." This fucking this sucks. And it's it's a I don't, weekly I don't like show, so so it just started. Yeah, so one, yeah. One, all right. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure there's eight or ten episodes mm-hmm. this year. I don't know. Watch it this week, and then we can start talking. Sean's will love it. I bet we'll start <laughs> talking about this instead of. Uh, <laughs> Can we work the Targaryens into it? <laughs> of course we can. I was texting with him a little bit tonight because I um I sent him the link to Nebraska to, to tell him to listen to it. And he was funny. He wrote me back. He's like, oh, I thought when I first saw this, I thought you were sending me a link to listen to Nebraska like I had never heard it before. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but his, his contribution for the show this week was he thought it was pretty good. And he was glad that the Cavs played at three today so he could be awake for the end of the game. <laughs> that was what Shantz wanted to contribute tonight. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. That's good stuff. Yeah. We, we haven't done a movie in a while. We haven't done a movie. We've in all, a I think we've only done a movie once. It was Top Gun, right? Uh, well, we, no, we, we did, did uh, Saints in New York. Yeah. Yeah. TV movie. I don't fucking know. <laughs> How terrible. We, terrible. we did snowed in. We, we did. did. We did better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Snowed in, my favorite Christmas movie <laughs> yeah. of all time. I watched Top Gun. I watched Maverick again last night because Whitney had never seen it and the kids were kind of pooped, so they went to bed early-ish. It's still great, but way yeah. better in a theater. Yeah. yeah like she course. even said it. Yeah. She's like, I bet this would have went. I'm like, oh yeah, the flying stuff was way better. And it yeah. came off as a little more cheesy the second time around, but still well, I bet. super I bet. entertaining. Yeah. Well, I watched yeah. it twice yeah. in the theater, and yeah. I got the theater experience. Should go back twice. to it. like it was great, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great. It's cheese, but it's yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good. All right, twelve oh six. Oh man, it. that's way. You're past wonderful our people, and I enjoy this way quite a bit. But um, yeah. yeah, it is time. It is time to go to bed. All right. Thanks for a great night, fellas. It was a good time. Good time, Hi, brothers. Man. All right, man. All right. All right. right, Love you guys. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?